Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to Inside Arsenal Extra Time, an international break uh, version of Inside Arsenal Extra Time. Hopefully we can cheer you up through this interlow. And if you if we don't, then you can just laugh at what James Benge is wearing. <laughs> what <laughs> I, is that? <laughs> I thought I was bringing some 70s glam rock flair to the uh, pod today. For those of you listening, I am wearing, I mean, there's nothing to describe it other than a leopard print cardigan. Um, I like it. I think I would uh, fit very well into early Roxy music. Um, it's quite cold today at my house, so I just need to warm up. And what could be warmer than wrapping yourself in uh, leopard? It is very uh, not an you. actual leopard. Not an actual leopard. I, as much as I would out. like that. that it's very you. I don't think I could pull that off, mate. No, you got to try. Not, not really me. Very, it's very. Swing you, for the fashion fences. It's very you. So, how was the weekend? All good. It was lovely. Yeah, I know we're going to come to talk about this and I'm going to talk quite a lot about Bayer Leverkusen and their players and obviously some of them are former Arsenal players. But yes, I was out in Germany, uh, had mm. a wonderful time, spoke to Jabby Alonso and Granit Xhaka and some other folks and saw a pretty excellent game of football. But then I guess you probably saw quite a good one as well on Saturday. Not thrilling, but quite good. It was all right. Yeah, it wasn't exactly a thrilling minute. It's kind of in keeping with the season, really, but it was professional, um, controlled dominant mm. obviously had the little nervy moments when they sort of grabbed an equalizer out of nowhere but I think the fact that Saliba scored a couple of minutes after that ensured that it didn't get too nervy if you see what I mean it's immediately sort of um things the way the game had been going was restored and then yeah, Arsenal cruised in and it was good three points definitely it was good three points especially coming on the back of what happened at Molyneux just ahead of kickoff which was <laughs> very funny and uh, it sort of set the day up pretty well and you kind of thought hey, you got to take advantage of that and um and they did that was really really funny and i have to say i was in the pub in finsbury park as me and some mates before the game and we watched watched it i don't know if you've been to the fullback before it's sort mm-hmm. of finsbury Parkway, and it's good i don't know it's probably about a 20 minute trek to the stadium and um 
we were kind of planning on leaving, you know, sort of two thirty ish to make sure we got there, or two two twenty ish to make sure we got there in time, and then we got so caught up in what was going on at Molyneux, and just as you thought, oh, they, they they're going to ride this out, Spurs, and get the win, and suddenly the equaliser came, and it was like, oh, we can't go yet, we've got to watch this, and then the winner came, and uh, yeah, and it was a mad dash to the stadium, and I literally got into my seat just as they were kicking off, so it was a it was a real late one, but it was well worth sticking around for because it was that, very that, very funny. That's Sarabia equaliser was sensational i mean like you know i'm not a big one for the long rangers i think that is the sort of goal i absolutely love and it's quite sort of it's a bit arsenal isn't it quite technical but like Mm. volleyed first touch and then volleyed second um yeah that's a a santi cazola type goal santi would pull something like that out of his his bag of tricks it was it was such a good goal especially as honestly they couldn't hit a barn door for the entire 90 minutes (laughs) Uh, typically Wolves, and then you go and pull out a goal like that to equalise. It, uh, it was absolutely fabulous. Fair play, and um, they deserved it as well. They were very, very yeah. good. Um, yeah, it just looked like being another one of those games where they couldn't score though. And fair play, they they did. And yeah, Arsenal took advantage. It was a good weekend actually for Arsenal and for Liverpool as well. Uh, the, did you get to catch anything of the game at the Bridge on Sunday? I I literally got I literally got back out. I, I sort of went into meet some the mix zone and, and interviews and stuff, and it was. One nil City Harlan penalty and you go like yeah okay right this this sort of game and then the next time I checked my phone I was like what on earth has just happened and that was four three and then Cole Palmer um, a brilliant I mean I think it definitely puts uh, Arsenal's performance at the Bridge in a different light doesn't it but also I mean brilliant brilliant some brilliant players on that Chelsea team especially Cole Palmer. Yeah, fair play to him. He's, he's had a really good start there, and yeah, he looks the business. It was a brilliant game, honestly. That's right up there. It, you know, it's one of those games that will go down in. You'll you'll watch it on Sky Sports and those sort of fifteen minute Premier League mm. classics types shows that they do. It, it's right up there with the with the very best. I didn't think City were great, but the fact that they weren't great and they were still a few seconds away from winning four three against a Chelsea side who played very very well kind of sums up City. They obviously know how to mm. normally know how to get over the line, but. It was a yeah, it was a definite penalty. Did you see what Ruben Diaz did in when they showed the replay of that and the mad dive he does to to no, no, it was for Nicholas Jackson's goal. Sorry, it wasn't the penalty where someone shot from like twenty five yards and the keeper spilled it and Jackson scored. But then on the follow up, when you watch the replay, Diaz kind of throws himself to block the shot after the shot had gone and the fact he was about. <laughs> five metres to the right of it. And if he just stayed on his feet, the ball would have bounced back straight to him and he clears it. It was really, honestly, it was one of those bizarre things when you you didn't sort of notice it in real time. But when you watch the replay, it's really, really bizarre for a player as good as Ruben Diaz. It kind of summed up, summed up just the craziness of, uh, of the game. Does this then mean off the back of last week's conversation, we can uh, strike him off the list of defenders better? Yes, than he, he officially turned into Shotgun off. Mustafi. For about, for about, it was it was a it was a proper Mustafi moment. <laughs> it really was. It was something he would have done. It was a, it was a mad moment. But what a game! What a game! And yeah, fantastic. We will actually. I've got. Um, I do want to right at the end of the show. I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on where we are in the Premier League at the quarter. Mm. We are quarter of the way through the Premier League season. Can you believe that? I mean, it feels longer. Both feels longer and shorter, doesn't it? It's that that November international break is always sort of like. You look down at the table and you're like, okay, that could, this this could be where we're at now. You know, 11, 12 games in, it's mm. there's generally not nothing very false about these teams. Um, one or two exceptions. Yeah. Looking at at Chelsea as one of them, I think they are a, a much better team than the table says. All right, um, well, so, well, let's let's stop because we'll yeah, talk about yeah. this. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk about this at the end. And 
I wanted to get on to, um, I mean, we've been billing it. We spoke about it. Me and you have spoken about it. And I've been asking the viewers to send in their comments at a lot large part of today's show. We were going to talk about the kind of the one player in January. And we are getting there. What are we about six mm. weeks away? So I think we're allowed to talk about January yeah. now, aren't we? Just about. And we need content. We need, we do. We need people to engage with what we're doing. Yeah. It's classic international break content. It is 100%. And so, and it's been really interesting actually, because I've been trying to come up, come up with who I would actually sign. And, and obviously we're trying to be realistic here in a way. Um, you know, ideally, yes, give me Mbappe. Obviously that's not, I, I'm trying to be realistic <laughs> with it, of course. And, I've, I've been changing my mind a lot, not just about the player, but about the position and what I would do. And I've kind of come up with my pick, but um, I'm still not 100% certain on it. But yeah, so this is the player that we think Arsenal could sign in January that, you know, realistically would give them even more of an edge in the second half of the season and potentially push them on for the title and that sort of thing. So um, I'm going to hand the floor over to you, first of all, to give me what's clearly going to be the wrong choice. Oh yeah, I will. Uh, I will one hundred percent hand it over to you to to reveal who you would sign if you were in charge of Arsenal's finances in January. And even as I texted you this um, spoiler alert on Sunday at the Bayer Leverkusen game, I was like, "Are you really going to go with this one?" Uh, and then I forgot to change my mind on it. But it is a signing I quite like, and I know he's a player that Arsenal have admired for a long time, and there is sort of. What's the right way of putting this? Over the summer, from what I heard, there were there were at the very least conversations about this player. Uh, and that's Jeremy Frimpong of Bayer Leverkusen, who I'm going to be talking a lot about over the next week or so. Um, and I know what your, your immediate response to this was what many of our viewers' immediate response to this will be. He's a right back, isn't he? Um, and Arsenal have, at the moment, I would argue, although Tommy Asu played that, you know, they have one right back, and I think probably two left backs, we would say. Tommy Asu's playing more there with Zinchenko. Um, but what I like about Frimpong is he could be that right back, and it's always nice to have some depth and versatility in defence. But really, I'm looking at Jeremy Frimpong as the guy who provides a burst of pace and a burst of directness off the bench um, when Bukayo Saka needs to sit, or you could even, and I know this happens very rarely, if Bukayo Saka goes on, the left flank, um, or you could even maybe, I know he doesn't play very often, play Frimpong on the, the left flank. Um, you'd need to get him in the building to work that out. But really a, a direct runner, searing pace, which outside of the first 11, Arsenal are a little bit light on. And, and my big thing about January is I don't think it's a good time to buy your foundational pieces. I don't think Arsenal should be looking to buy the striker of the next four or five years that we'll compete with and maybe succeed Gabriel Jesus. I just don't think you're going to get that player in January. But if you could get a player that can really ease any sense that there might be a drop-off if Saka's injured or needs to be rested, if you could get a player that could then also fill in as a right-back where needed, especially in the games where you expect to dominate, I can imagine Ben White playing at centre-back and Frimpong overlapping beyond Saka. That's one I really, really like. I know it's a bit left-field, it's a bit esoteric and... A lot of people will say the issue in this Arsenal team is goals. Um, but I just think you can't quite solve that issue right now. But you can just add a, a little little bit of pace. And um, I think in the closing months of the season against heavy legs, I think we'd all be surprised how much value that has. Mm. Right. Now. Have I talked you around? No. 
No, of course not. <laughs> no. I look at this Arsenal team right now and what's going to prove potentially to be make a difference in the second half of the season. And I cannot, and I'm sure he's a very good player. I haven't seen much of him, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't look at that side of the pitch as being the thing that is going to potentially push Arsenal on to win the title. I think you've got to look at in midfield, what's going on there. You've got a potential look up front, maybe a oh. direct replacement stroke competition for Saka. I'm not sure Frimpong is that in my very limited experience of him. But uh, obviously each to their own and to their mm-hmm. own opinion. So I will uh, I will gladly uh, accept your um, your choice. In the, how long has he been at Leverkusen? He's only been in about a year, hasn't he? He was at Celtic, wasn't he? A year and a bit. Yeah, he was at Celtic. And um, I think a lot of teams have tried to use him as a right back and concluded that he doesn't have the defensive quality. So in theory with Xabi Alonso, he's a sort of right midfielder, but he's not. like They'll defend in a back four quite often and he's, he's just a right winger. Um, very good at getting isolated against his defenders. He's more likely to go down the outside. But mm. again, that gives you a sort of alternative to... An alternative way of approaching things to Saka. I mean, the 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 thing is, we talk about realistic, and my view there is sort of if you talk very nicely to Stan and Josh Josh Kroenke, you could probably put together a package that that Bayer Leverkusen would sort of go, yeah, go on then. That's a, a good return, and you know they are a club that accept that sometimes players have to get sold. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be cheap, but we're not talking a uh, hundred million pounds for Ivan Tony money. Yeah. I'm not putting a price on it because that will get aggregated. So we're, we're going to steer clear of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Well, fair play. That's your choice. Uh, not who I'd go for, I have to say, but that is, uh, <laughs> that is your choice. Interesting to see what our uh, what our listeners and viewers have to say about that. Right, I'm going to go with mine now. And I have to say that I have two. So Ooh. I'm kind of cheating, but I'm cheating for a reason. And that will become clear. So my choice, and I've decided it's midfield that Arsenal need to... Mm-hmm. to bolster over the second half of the season. Well, not just second half season, but just going forward. I think it's very obvious what's going on with Thomas Pye. I think at the moment it's beginning to feel like that is probably the area they're going to target in January. If they're going yeah. to target any area, it might well be that, given what's going on with Thomas Party. And so I've come up with two, and there's a reason I've come up with two. So my choices are these two. Oh. I'm staying Premier League. I'm going back on the I love the four. first one. I'm going back with the success that Arsenal had last January with their two signings coming in, hitting the ground running in terms of Leandro Trossard and Jorginho, who's still playing very key roles now. So Lucas Paquette is my first choice. I think he fits exactly what Arsenal needs. The Kai Havertz thing just hasn't worked and I'm not totally ready to write it off yet, but I'm seeing no signs that it's going to work. And Arsenal have effectively been carrying a player when he's been playing for large chunks of it. He's been all right. He's done all right, but that's about it. They need more. Um, I think if they're going to keep the pace with Manchester City, they need more. And I think Paquetta will mm. come in and can play that role absolutely superbly. Um, but there's obviously this betting scandal or investigation hanging yes. over him, which, you know, Manchester City were going to sign him in the summer. That looked like it was about to happen. Then suddenly this investigation emerged and City backed off and didn't do the deal. And so I imagine if that is still ongoing, which I believe it is, that that could potentially stop Arsenal. I'm not sure West Ham would be very keen to sell uh, to <laughs> on the back of the rise to Arsenal anyway, but I don't care. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I don't think they'd be very keen on that. I think the fans would actually literally write. Um, but 
you know, West Ham showed in the summer that they were potentially willing to let Paqueta go, and Paqueta was very, cl- you know, clearly mm. up for going as well. So, you know, why why would they say yes to Manchester City and then and then no to Arsenal? So there is the option of that potentially there. But if it didn't happen, if it was impossible, then I'd be switching my attentions to potentially West London and uh, bringing in a player who I think is just a fabulous footballer. I thought he was brilliant when he played against Arsenal early in season, of course, scored the crucial equaliser in that goal. Was going to go to Bayern Munich, which says you know a lot about how he's viewed by the world's best teams. Has just signed a new contract, obviously, in Jao Paulino I'm talking about. Um, mm. But I don't think that necessarily ties him to the cottage for... Uh, for good and I think again he comes in and would just give Mikel Arteta real strong options in an area where it's just a midfield where I, I just fear if something happened to Declan Rice I just think that would right now I think that would be the end of Arsenal's title hopes this season if he if, if Rice was to be out for six weeks or two months for something which hopefully won't be but if he was I'd just be really really worried and um, I think we saw saw a glimpse of what that midfield could end up looking like in the uh, in the League Cup game at West Ham when Arsenal had just lost that battle very very badly. And so, yeah, I think that would be the area if I'm looking at anyone in January or a position in January. It would be midfield, whether that be left eight or another option at six that could allow Declan Rice to play left eight regularly more more regularly and not have to fill in. Um, so, yeah, Paqueta would be my absolute first choice just because I think he'd be perfect for that position. Um, and then Paulinho <laughs> would be my second if Paqueta was unable to happen. I mean, very different players, you have to say. Yeah, I know, I mean, but I think got... they are. But I think also that just gives Arsenal the options to yeah. in the field. It's like you could bring in Paulinho, you could play him as the sort of more deep line. Although he's, I still look at Paulinho when I've watched him. He's, he's pretty... I see him playing box-to-box a lot of the time and getting forward and scoring goals. He scored a w- wonderful goal the other day at, was it Brighton he scored the equaliser? Yep. Was that, that was Paulina, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, so I think he does off, offer that. But again, he could just play as the as the holder in place of Thomas Party. He's got the ability to pass the mm. ball like Thomas Party has, and that would allow Declan Rice to play more often than not as the eight, if needs be, to fill in for Kai Havertz if Kai continues to do pretty much nothing every week. So Yeah. yeah. Palinia, I I mean, I'm just not feeling it. I just, it just doesn't excite me. But you're right, he's a very, very good player and uh, you would never then have to worry about the defense being protected i do i i do wonder if his sort of ball progressing is is good enough i mean paqueta though yeah i would i'd walk over broken glass to get him to the emirates he is wonderful he's a joy i mean interestingly as well if you see where west ham are you have used him on occasion you could like kind of say he's an alternative for Saka as well and that would be a way of you know if Saka's injured you get you could get Havertz in the, the team if you needed to I mean equally it would be sort of the death knell on on Kai Havertz and you know Arsenal he just would never be the left eight really would he that would be Paqueta's job if the chance ever came along at some stage you know with that you have to have almost a similar view to what you had with Aaron Ramsdale or Granite Jacker, sort of like, well, <laughs> sorry, Kai, we think we can do better. Um, God, because you know, the thing is, Arsenal, I, I, you know, there's so many brilliant, talented players in that team. This is going to sound quite a harsh criticism, but you know, sometimes it's, I mean, Erdegaard does it on occasion, doesn't he? He, he gives you some sort of ludicrous flick or pass. But I think he's a little too sensible 
like you know he obviously is like obeying his manager's instructions and he's dictating tempo and rhythm like Lucas Paqueta every once in a while will just go full futsal on you like it'll be like you're watching someone playing in FIFA Street he's wonderful at doing all that um and you know the Emirates would fall in love in an instant wouldn't it I mean like much like this did I'm thinking of his debut already in an Arsenal shirt and it's like the Danny Ceballos one um yes he would be brilliant he would be expensive no doubt um and like you say I don't think there's a lot of goodwill between West Ham and Arsenal but I'd I'd be I think they'd be mad not to try if the opportunity made if the opportunity emerged um and I'll chuck in 10 quid as well help out <laughs> yeah I, I'll chuck in 20 see if we can get see if we can get the deal done that's like YouTube are, money for you isn't it we have to say that this is just us spitball in here and not this isn't anything serious this is just us this is uh yeah we're just imagining uh, and stuff before this it's going to be furious when when Arsenal gets someone from Chelsea on loan and that's it yeah um but I have been asking our viewers um for their suggestions and they've been sending them in by (laughs) the bucket load so I've brought I've got a lot to go through here and that's not even anywhere close to the amount that was actually sent in so if I didn't pick yours apologies but we would just be here forever going through them so there are a lot so let me see here hold on okay these are small because I needed to fit them in so um uh I've, I've actually got them here slightly bigger so I can actually read them better James pronounced the I can I honestly I, I tried to pronounce the word mechanicanism <laughs> earlier on my show. What how say what how do you say that word? Mechanicanisms. What, what I don't know what that word is. I can't Automatisms. Even, is it even a word? Is that why I couldn't say it? Someone had sent it in and I was trying to I was trying to mechanism. Is this is this mechanism, mechanism, isn't it? Okay, yeah, that one. God, honestly, I I stumbled over it. You spent too much time talking into a microphone. I know. I was at the gym earlier before recording this, and and I was still running through my head. I was like, "How do you say that word?" I still couldn't bring it out. Okay, so what was it? The Napoli winger. How do you? What's the creature? Okay, so yeah, James here says has gone for him, uh, yeah. just because of the look in his eyes, uh, and uh, also the football he plays. Um, yeah, he's a mentality monster at times, a one-man wrecking crew. I don't think he's not quite hit the heights this season. He did last season, has he? But it was very hard. Sort of Napoli as a whole, it's yeah. Napoli as a whole, yeah. Very hard to, but um, yeah, head of a talent. So that's who James has gone for. I've got a Paulinia shout here from Guna for Philosopher. Uh, Zuba Mendy from uh, Twapokoyuma. Sorry if that's totally wrong. Um, we've got Miroslav down there. He says, get Granite Xhaka back. Uh, <laughs> i tell you what. Honestly, and we're going to talk about Granite Xhaka later on. I, I genuinely would, if, yeah. <laughs> if it was possible, Granite Xhaka. I think Arsenal win the title. If everyone stays fit and Granite Xhaka is in this team, I think Arsenal win the title <laughs> if Xhaka's still at Arsenal. But the irony of it all. I know, it's unbelievable. The title this season. But um, Miroslav says Quinten, Quinton Timber, and there's others who have sent in a, a shout for the uh, the other Timber brother. Fast, technical, nowhere near his peak, relatively cheap. Brothers United fits the criteria and FFP. Um, let's go for another one here. Uh, if B, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. If Biffy says has to be a midfielder, left eight reigns a whole, even with a fully fit squad. Obvious ones would be Zuba Mendy, Douglas Louise. I don't think either of those are realistic in January. My choice would be uh, Zielinski, 29 year old, out of contract in the summer, both footed, has a goal in him, reminds me of signing Jorginho and Trossard last January. 
then you get your number one midfielder in the summer. We've got another from Quentin Timber here. That's Inked Skin with Sins and uh, John Fleming, which I don't know if you know John A Fleming, James. I was actually listening to him in the gym. Uh, classic, proper, old school trance, side trance, deep oh. prog DJ. Brilliant. You put, if you go to Glastonbury all the time, get down to the Glade stage at Glastonbury. Oh, see well. See uh, John A Fleming at his very best. You might like my cardigan. But I don't think this is the John Fleming, but uh, it might be. You never know if it is. Hello, John. I've danced to you many a times on dance floors across London. Uh, I'm with you in the left eight position, but who I don't know. Interest still bubbles around from Louise. Not sure he's a left eight, though. Um, he said, as a wild and not very likely as it is, I ask you both. I presume this is me and you. Um, would you entertain the idea of a Tony and Ketia swap deal in January? Say 30 to 35 million plus in tech uh, in Ketia. Tony wouldn't be my first choice for a striker long term. But if such a deal could be made, it feels like it could be a win. Win. Uh, so there are others as well, which we'll go through. But in those first, sort of first two slides, I mean, is there any names there that you've sort of looked at? I mean, Quinton Timber, have you, do you know much about the other Timber brother? Zuba Mendy at Sociedad, obviously certainly generating a lot of headlines at the moment. Barcelona, very keen. Bayern Munich, supposed to be keen on him as well. Arsenal long-term admirers. Yeah, I only have seen him in the Champions League, but I've seen a lot of him in the Champions League because Sociedad is such a good watch. I mean, he he feels like a really good fit um, as a six with Rice as an eight. It's more of a tempo setting six. Yeah. And maybe someone that could come through the lines and do that Partey stuff. Um, like you say, I think Arsenal have watched him before. I mean, we probably should acknowledge Douglas Louise because mm. he's clearly a target on Arsenal's radar. Um I just very hard, it. very hard to very do. Hard. Just signed a new contract. And signed a new contract. So so well and so much for Unai. And obviously Unai's getting a lot out of him. Villa very ambitious, not skin. I mean, that's a really difficult deal to do, isn't it? That's always what I've thought. To be, to be honest, it's why I've sort of steered clear of putting anything down in an article about Douglas Louise, because kind of until I get any sense that it's easy to do or it's theoretically doable, like that's just, it, Villa are going to make it so hard. Mm. And, and rightly so. If you're if they're challenging for Champions League football for the first time in a generation, if this is the sort of, you know, if that's the level they're aspiring to, you would they would be mad to sell Douglas Louise. And I don't think that, you know, Douglas Louise would expect to be allowed to go in January. I think, you mm. know, that would be one that you might, might see revived in the summer um, because that's a huge money investment Louise is probably then the left eight or rotating with um, Rice. Uh, so you need more of a sample size on, on Havertz. Um, yeah, it just is one I, 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 I find a little hard to see happening. Yeah. But obviously it's one that Arsenal are exploring whether they can make happen. Well, you think how hard Villa fought to keep him when he had less than a year left on his contract yeah, and wasn't a regular at St under Steven Gerrard mm. at that time. He wasn't playing week in, week out under Gerrard. Arsenal was, remember, Arsenal was so surprised, weren't they? They, they were like, it's just, we're not, when we're having this dialogue with Villa, there's no figure coming back. No, no. Nothing. They were, Arsenal, Arsenal would, it, it just became very, very aware on that deadline day that they weren't budging. They were not. No matter, I think Arsenal raised a bid three times in less than 24 hours, and each time it was just like it's not happening, it's not happening, and it did surprise Arsenal. And in the end, they pulled, they pulled the plug because they knew it just wasn't going to happen. Mm. I do wonder when we say it's going to be a very hard deal to do. 
I wonder if we have to move away from that a little bit now with Arsenal. They've just signed Declan Rice from West Ham, beat a Manchester City and spent more than £100 million to do it. That was a very hard deal to do. Yeah. That at times looked like it was going to be an impossible deal to do, but they did it. Now, have we kind of moved on to that stage now where, you know, maybe deals that we look at as potentially being very hard to do doesn't mean that it's not going to happen because that's what Arsenal is sort of, in the sort of that's the route that they're working in now. I think the way to view that for me would be that there are, there are only a handful of players, a handful of clubs that are beyond Arsenal's reach in the summer. So in the summer, like, you know, let's say that Villa don't qualify for the Champions League, which is the likeliest scenario. In the summer, they may well have a very different view on Douglas Luiz and his future. And I think, you know, if Arsenal... Arsenal's number one target in at this time last year for central midfield was Declan Rice. But they didn't even... I believe they might have raised the possibility of signing him with West Ham once. I think Correct it me was, if I'm wrong. It was made very, very clear that it just yes. it wasn't going to happen. It was never yeah. going to happen. And, you know, West Ham, as they were making that clear, knew it, it will happen with some team in the summer. Now, I don't know what Villa's view on is on Douglas Luiz in the summer. I have no idea, but I, I'm, you know, we, we can clearly have a, have a degree of confidence in what their view on, on him is right now, given the shape of their season. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't think there are many players out of Arsenal's reach in the summer. January is, it's a bit harder. Same thing with Caicedo. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think you're right. I do think you're right. I think it's a, it would be a very hard one, right? Let's uh, let's move on to some of the other. Oh, I like the tone. I like the Tony and Ketia thing. By the way, that's a way of convincing me to do the Tony deal. Uh, yeah. Well, in Ketia, it was that. It was John, wasn't it? Down there, he said, yeah. uh, "As a wild and not, yeah, would you take thirty, thirty-five million? Would you do that? Would you do that deal then, Tony and? So give uh, them, mean, give them in Ketia and thirty, thirty-five million for Tony in January. Yeah, about that. Like, I mean. Yeah, I'd, I'd try and haggle it down a bit because I think you know they're getting a lot of years of Eddie and Ketia compared to how many years Arsenal might get of Ivan Tony. And but like that's the sort of structure where I, I look at it as you know because because I think we maybe underestimate even someone like Eddie and Ketia, or we we underestimate how hard it will be to sell a, re- a price that Arsenal really like mm-hmm. for Ketia. So if you can potentially use him as ballast in a deal like that. And we know we know how hard swap deals are. I can't see it ever happening. No. Um, I mean, how many swap deals can you think of? And it's Not always like player for player. Um, yeah, but that that sort of construction because Eddie I think I think getting Eddie's pushed worth, out anyway, isn't he? Yeah, I think Eddie's worth a lot of money. I have to say, I do think Eddie's worth a lot of money in today's market. His age contract now in England, now sort of in the England reckoning anyway. I think mm. he's worth a lot but um right let's go over to some more we've got another from paul for paulinho there at the top yusuf fafana at monaco now that's a name that quite a few people have thrown at me uh in midfield matt says tony hungry premier league goal scorer of a point to prove backs up our attacking threat yes he's older but sometimes you need to buy for the now um and then uh, the real Nostradonus says, if Rice takes the eight, I'd go for Douglas Louise. He also mentions Mbuemo. 
and Pedro Neto. And Neto is a player I'd absolutely love at Arsenal. I'm mm-hmm. a big, big fan of Pedro Neto, I have to say. Injured at the moment, which is a bit of a shame. Hopefully he stays injured until after the Arsenal game. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, really good player. I would absolutely love to sign Pedro Neto. Um, so that's a good shout for me. So uh, what about you? Thinking, actually, let me move like... on to the next one and then we'll go back to those. Mm. Uh, Dusan Vlajevic, we have a shout for. Dusan Vlajevic, uh, Douglas Louise, uh, again mentioned there. Got Anana from Everton, Joshua Kimmich. I can't, surely that, I can't see that one. That one <laughs> yeah, I'd love that one. Yeah, I can't see that one happening. No, and Santiago uh, Jimenez, who uh, final, isn't he? Yeah, we've had. I had mm-hmm. a few messages about him. So obviously, had a very good season in front of the goal at the moment. So, what about those couple of pages? Anyone there who sort of jumps out at you? Uh, I know you and I are already dreading the idea of Dusan Vlavic's name even being mentioned and. In conjunction with Arsenal again, and I, I would love to know what Edu thought of how that whole transfer saga played out. Um, it it really felt there like um, the Vlavic camp were using fairly tentative, sort of conversational interest from Arsenal to get Vlavic a move to Juventus ahead of schedule. Um, and I believe now he's struggling to establish himself as a regular starter for Juventus. So um, alone with an obligation to buy for him, no, 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 thank you. Uh, he takes a very good penalty. Um, and Buemo is is one I would, would really like as a, he's a bit, tr- <laughs> if you didn't have Leandro Trossard in the squad, I know they are very different players, but it's that sort of versatile, can play across the front line. Premier League experience ticks all those boxes. So if you felt you needed another forward and maybe didn't expect to do big business in the summer in that position, which I think we expect Arsenal to do, um, you would be like, Mbwema, let's let's take a look at that one. I really like him. The the thing is, maybe he doesn't offer you an entirely different option to Gabriel Jesus. If you played him at centre-forward, I think they're great qualities of their technique, burst their, 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 their scrappiness like I don't want to say that like Jesus and Buemo lack strength but you know it's not the sort of Tony or Calvert-Lewin like will dominate in the air strength which I think is what Arsenal are missing at centre forward so um, I'm going to ask you about Gibbonez how much have, have you watched of him not much I've seen not bits much. and pieces because I keep people keep sending it to me saying what do you think of him and obviously having a very good season for final but I've I know it's a bit disrespectful to the area divisi, but I'm always such yeah. a bit suspect. I've got um, it's just like Kesman vibes for any sort of striker who comes over, prolific striker who comes over from Alfonso Holland. Alves. Um, that I just worry about. Um, obviously Timbers come over from Holland and looks absolutely mustard. So, so you know, that was maybe that. So maybe I'm wrong in that, and and Timber has shown me wrong. But it's more the striker coming over yeah. from Holland it's I don't know obviously Ruud van Nistelrooy did it and did it very very well so yeah, I think I maybe need to see him a little bit more in Europe doing it I think he's, he's done all right in Europe he's got a couple of Champions League goals isn't he he's playing he's playing for a very good final team yeah they, they, I think look at, right up there they look quite good from what I've seen from the, the bits and pieces I've seen to a good a good attacking team aren't they and he seems to be doing well I'm sure he's going to get a big move fairly soon um Fafana is an interesting one. A lot of people have talked about Fafana. Have you seen much of him at Monaco? I saw the Emirates Cup game. Was that that was Fafana? We're, we're thinking of right from the Emirates Cup game. I was on holiday in the Emirates Cup, so I wasn't there. I was in Portugal, so I didn't even see it. 
I believe Fafana was the player at the Emirates Cup that was just like jaw on the floor, sensational, running the midfield um, in a very good game. Um, so that that's pretty much the extent of my use of Fafana knowledge. But like, mm-hmm. it, it is one of those games where you're like, who is he? I want him. Yeah. Um, he's a very popular choice i reckon a good sort of six or seven people have have sent his name into me so he seems like a popular choice that people would like i've got one more page to go through now jonathan david a player that we both know uh and have sort of kept our eye on over the recent years um doing very good things in france canada international Mm. um a couple other sort of names mentioned there from moss sports world uh we got who have we got there um oh yeah ollie watkins someone has had a shout for Ollie Watkins again that sort of falls into the Douglas Louise category of just feeling like an impossible mm. one to do almost Rafinha again a player I really like who I was really into Arsenal signing when they tried and you know initially tried for him before he ended up going to Barcelona and uh is it Benesur is that how you pronounce it right obviously yeah ben, yeah um, Benesur yeah. uh, bring him home ex-Arsenal bring him back to the club um did he play in now. the um the the Sheffield Wednesday game I don't know. I think he did. Did he ever play? Did he actually make? Let me write. I'm gonna. I'm gonna search. I'll I'll keep talking about my view on. I think everyone that played in that Sheffield Wednesday game should be obliged to come back to Arsenal at some stage and make amends if they have. So Alex Awobi, I feel like you've made amends. He made a senior Arsenal debut in the League Cup away to Sheffield Wednesday. He did play in that game. (laughs) So look, Ismail, you owe Arsenal because you know that was. One of the, it was a sort of one of the, the like an embarrassing moment, but you're like, best laugh it off. Um, if you're Arsene Wenger, who I believe did end the game just laughing at how ridiculous his team was playing. Um, so yeah, Benesser owes Arsenal, uh, owes Arsenal uh, a, a duty. Uh, so if he wants to come back and, and make amends, be my he, guest. Repla- he replaced Walcott after 19 minutes and Walcott had just come on to replace Oxlade Chamberlain who had already got oh. injured in that first 19 minutes. <laughs> what an absolute car crash of a game that was. That, that was really, really low. That was a real low point. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday in the League Cup. I think we're all going to be scarred by that one for a, for a long, long time. So yeah, lots of... Uh, lots of good shouts there, I, I think. So thank you very much for everyone. Have, have you changed your mind at all seeing these sent in or are you still sticking with your uh, right back choice no i want lucas paquetta uh, <laughs> as much as oh, it pains I, me to agree with you i, 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 really... I mean we know it's never going to happen certainly not in january but give it give it i mean what is the point if you're josh and stan Kroenke of having all that money mm. well exactly just sell a bit of the ranch off in texas give it yeah Give it away, you know, get some good real estate money and uh, bring in Lucas Paquetta and just uh, annoy the hell out of the West Ham fans even more who are still smarting from uh, from Declan Rice at the weekend. So, yeah, um, thank you very much for everyone for sending all, in all your comments. Again, if I didn't get re- get yours up on the screen, apologies. Like, there was just so many, and so many of them were kind of the same player as well. It had just been repeating uh, repeating ourselves over and over again. So thank you very much for uh, for engaging in that. I do appreciate it. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, let's move on to your uh, exploits at the weekend, your trip to Germany to watch Bayer Leverkusen, who ended up smashing Union Berlin 4-0. Granit Xhaka, front and centre of all of that. You spoke to Granit, didn't you? You spoke to Javi Alonso. Uh, I've got a quote here from what Granite said to you about sort of leaving Arsenal and why he went and said, a lot of people ask me, why are you going to Germany? It's a step back. For me, it's not a step back, it's a step forward. I think the last four months have been very, very good for us as a team and for myself. Everything was exactly what I wanted here. I'll never forget the time I was at Arsenal, seven years. It was a long time of ups and downs, good and bad things. I had a feeling that I needed a new challenge. I'm so happy to be here because the challenge you're seeing here was in my mind. It's an amazing club. Big history. Let's make bigger history if we can. Those are the words of Granit Xhaka. Was it good to see the big man again, James? Well, I timed it very well, I must say, because he was sensational. Uh, and you know what? He was sensational in exactly the way we knew Granit Xhaka always could be, given the right moment. Double pivot. Ball comes to Granite Xhaka. Granite Xhaka moves it on. I just got there in the stats. 145 of 151 passes completed. 151 was... passes in a game, in that game. <laughs> well, I have to say, Union Berlin were atrocious. They've just sort of parted way reluctantly with the man who got them to the Bundesliga, I believe, and got them to the Champions League final. And when someone's done that much for a club um, and they kind of get the heave-ho mid-season, you know they must be playing badly and they were dreadful. And But Xhaka was sort of excellent as the the tempo setter. You know, what Arteta was for Arsenal, uh, what Xabi Alonso was, maybe not to quite as high a level. Um, and I got to see Xabi Alonso train a few days later. God, what a player. Um, he looked totally at ease in his role. He settled there almost immediately as a veteran, a leader on the pitch, a leader in the dressing room. And one of the things Alonso said to me when I asked him, you know, what's what's it like and how important is it having someone like Xhaka in the setup? You know, he is the person that reflects Alonso's message into the dressing room. Um, and we have to say Leverkusen, who kind of rallied at the end of last season to finish sixth, they're now top of the Bundesliga, dropped just two points uh, in drawing to Bayern Munich. Um, a really special team. A re- you know, it's quite a similar story to Arsenal. Young Bass coach attacking effervescent football led by youngsters, but with an experienced Swiss midfielder. Um, I feel like Granite Jack knows exactly what he's going through right now. Uh, no surprise he's not getting carried away, but he has really established himself as as crucial to a top European team once more. <laughs> Yeah, I went. I was over in Germany for the that Frankfurt Book Fair I was at, and I was talking to a couple of the big sort of media sports personalities over there. One of them from Dazone, who was interviewing me on the stage actually, and he was telling me a lot about Leverkusen and, and how just captivating they've been this season. This sort of football that they're playing, what Alonso's drilled into them. He's talking about the influence that Granite's had, obviously on it. And it does feel from the outside. I mean, I've not seen much of it at all, but for, it does. It has all the hallmarks of. Arsenal last season it seems like a very similar it really story. feels like it yeah it, it feels that there's that moment of just uh everything's a little bit ahead of schedule and it's fun 
and almost the challenge is to keep, you know, for a young coach like Xabi Alonso, it's to keep that energy, you know, from boiling over, harness it and, and run with it. Uh, especially in the knowledge that kind of the team you have behind you is just this hyper team that that's got better because it's added a world-class center. I mean, the parallels are actually now that the more I talk through them, the parallels are, are baffling. I mean, literally right the way down to the perennial champions have just added uh, an elite level center forward mm. um, and a sort of right in the hunt and all the numbers are looking like, oof, yeah, by and will eventually steamroller them. But um, so I, I wonder how valuable equally for that reason, Xhaka will be down the, down the stretch. Cause I know kind of off the back of this game, there was an awful lot of chat on Arsenal Twitter about bringing him back. Um, and I, I really think there are so many questions about him as a footballer and there have been questions about his attitude, but you and I both know the guy behind the scenes in the dressing room, there's a reason why so many coaches just love him. Mm. I, I honestly think Arsenal win the title with Xhaka in the team this season. If, if Xhaka's <laughs> playing there, and it's, I, I, I know, and it's, it's all hypothetical, of course, we'll never know, but I genuinely think it. If everyone stayed fit, if you had Rice playing as a six, you had everyone fit to be able to sort of interchange players and rest everyone, but you had Granite. I just look at that left eight role, and he and we saw what he did last season. Important was that that wasn't going to fall off this season. He was going to re- mm, replicate not. that this season. He was definitely going to replicate. We see what he's doing with Leverkusen now. Even he's playing slightly deeper now, isn't he? He's not he's playing. A, in he's that. a true six. Yeah, I he's saw that the heat map that you'd put in your piece. And by mm. the way, if you want to read James's piece, it's really good. It's a big sort of wide ranging piece on Leverkusen. The links in the description below. He's also put it out on his social media. Um, and I was looking at the heat maps and you could noticeably see, obviously, he was playing far more advanced for Arsenal than he is now for Leverkusen. But, you know, had he still been here this season and playing in that role, he, you know, he w- his performances wouldn't have dropped off. His his goal outputs, his goal involvements, I don't I don't see why they would have dropped off at all. And um, and I just think he would have been a different. I, I think I think Arsenal would win, would win the title. I generally do. And it seems so mad to be pining over Granit Xhaka. <laughs> when you consider what it was where it was sort of four or five years ago but I just I think he was that important and the fall off because of what's gone on with Havertz and the fact he hasn't yet I'm not not writing him off completely yet but the fact mm. he hasn't even shown signs of being able to you know fill the void left by Xhaka at all it's just you know it's it's that's a really big worry and had Xhaka been there then you wouldn't have had that worry so yeah I do think it's a massive it's been a huge loss huge loss it would be I mean the joyous scenario and let, let, let's be honest, he says there's a step forward, not a step back or, or worse that effect. And I think, you know, he would never say it, but he kind of went into the end of last season and the start of the summer, knowing that, you know, whether it was through Rice arriving and Rice and Partey or, or however it might have set up, he was probably not looking at being a 35 game a season starter in the Premier League and he's gone to a, a club where he he is so so no judgment there but I, I mean the ideal scenario for Arsenal um at least in my view is that Xhaka had stayed around because he is such a professional on the training ground but also kind of to show Havertz the ropes to set the standards to make Havertz come in and take that place you know, wrench that place out of Granite Xhaka's hands. Mm. And I do agree with you. I mean, I think Arsenal would be a much better team with with Granite Xhaka in, in there. And um, 
by God, that feels strange to say, doesn't it? Because we've almost since the day he arrived, we were sort of talking about who else they might have had instead. Um, and just missed that his qualities are really missed. Um, mm. that doesn't mean that maybe Arsenal were wrong to do the things they do, did, given the knowledge they had, but um. Yeah, it'd be it'd be funny. I'd really, really, really hope these two teams run into each other in the Champions League next season. <laughs> it would be joyous to see him back. I had a question about Granite on one of my shows I did earlier this week. Someone was asking, "Do you think it was a mistake for Mikel to let him go?" And so I don't really put it down as a mistake because Granite clearly wanted to go, and Mikel would convince Granite to stay for about three successive seasons, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. And it's like you can't keep doing that. At some point, you're just going to have to say, "Okay, you can go." this time and I think given Granite's age and his contracts and the money that was on eventually on the table from Leverkusen it was a it was a good deal to do for the club so I don't I don't really put it down as a mistake but yeah I really do wish like you they'd managed to they'd managed to sort of talk him around to stay in to stay in one more year because I just think the difference he would have made this season would have just made me feel a hell of a lot more confident in terms of what Arsenal were, were going to go on to achieve but it's in the past it's gone it's a really good piece James well done and uh, yeah it, to everyone who wants to read it then uh, head down to the description the link is there right I wanted to talk to you because I haven't spoke to you about this yet did you have you seen yeah, I have seen I've, well, I've seen the quotes not the the pod uh, yeah so, Sophie, and, Sophie and Kevin sat down so with, with um with it's Nick isn't it Nick um yeah. on Monday night and then Monday Madness show on the hybrid squad and obviously, I've discussed this on my shows this week, but I just wanted to ask your thoughts on it. It was really—I was driving earlier today um, on the way back from dropping my kids off, and um, no, it was on my way back from the gym actually. Sorry. And Simon Jordan and Jim White and Danny Murphy were on Talk Sport, and they were debating this. And Simon Jordan and Danny Murphy were, as you would expect, sort of belittling Aaron. I would say for the fact that his dad has gone on and said all this stuff. Um, and saying, just get on with it. You're, he's a professional footballer. Why is his daddy coming on and doing that stuff? Which is a little bit harsh. But, um, I mean, there is certainly a sense of that. I, when I saw it and read the quotes and then watched the show, I was like, what? Because Aaron must have known. You know, I do not believe for a second that his dad did this without Aaron knowing that this was going to mm. happen. You know, they, those two are very, very close. And you know, there's no way that his dad would do this without Aaron's knowledge that it was going to happen. So Aaron would have been aware that this was gonna it was gonna come, and I mean, he. The more I think about it, the more I just think this has got to be some sort of manoeuvre, surely ahead of the January transfer window. The timing of it feels really interesting. It's six weeks before the window opens. Gareth Southgate has just warned Aaron very publicly that if he didn't play, if he doesn't start playing regular minutes, his place in the Euro squad could potentially be uh, in jeopardy. And then this comes out. I just it, it it just feels like a little bit of a manoeuvre to because it's I mean it's not going to go down well at Arsenal is it you can't no. um, Mikel will not be sitting there at Colney this week and being like oh that's that's fine it's surely not as, as much as I I kind of you know I've got nothing against what Nick Ramsdale said in it at all and you know and so it's not that it's just the fact that did you really need to do it did this really need to happen not least because the 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 story was was quietening down a bit i mean you know you and i who are talking about arsenal every week at most games there's a level where kind of people at our level in the media profession just 
we don't, we can't be doing with, you know, there's nothing new to say. The debate is over. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't have thought coming into this pod that we'd have been talking about Aaron Ramsdale in any sense other than, oh, oh, by the way, you know, he's got to start against Brentford after the international break. That's interesting. Um, like you, it's, I, I don't believe at all that this happened without Ramsdale's knowledge. And, and I think we would know by now. This obviously this came out on Monday. We're, we're recording on Wednesday. I think we would know by now if it had happened without his his blessing. Um, yeah, it just feels like it it, it doesn't help. Like it's going to ratchet up the tension around this situation in January. And the best kind of way that Ramsdale could have made his point is just to wait a fortnight and come in in that Brentford game and. I know it can sometimes be hard coming in for one game at Arsenal because if you pick the wrong game, if Arsenal play really well against Brentford, Aaron Ramsdale might have nothing to do and might not be able to make his point. But that's how you how you show Mikel Arteta you're wrong because whilst we know that David Raya is his preferred option, I think we would probably all agree whether you rate Raya as a his start, whatever you rate it as, that it hasn't been so flawless that Ramsdale can't make a case. Hmm. That he can't make a case in the Brentford game, that he can't make a case in the, in the training ground. But we know for a fact the one way Mikel Arteta will not like Ramsdale making a case is in this very public forum where we're now all talking about it. It's almost especially in the international break. It, it fills this void because, God, we've got nothing to talk about where England are concerned. Um, and... I mean, I appreciate, I think that we should always say it's, it's great that people will talk with the candor that Nick Nick did. Um, and he's obviously saying things we kind of suspected, but it's it's important that we kind of know footballers as people and understand, you know, when Ramsdale takes the pitch, we understand that he's been going through two really tough months for himself as a professional. Mm. But I do think there are reasons why you keep this in-house. Yeah, um, I just don't, I don't, I look at it and I just wonder where is any sort of benefit in this being aired publicly? We all know that's what they'll be feeling behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And, you know, everyone, everyone all knows that. Of course, he's not going to be happy. Of course, he's going to be upset about the way it, it's happened. But I just, I'm not sure you need to come out and say that, especially I'm not sure your yeah. dad needs to come out and say that either. I mean, you know, maybe Ramsdale in a position when he's in, in England at a press conference, he can say it because it's him and it's his words but it's just it's not a great look I don't think really as much as yeah I just don't, I, don't, I, I can't imagine that has gone down very well at Colney and it almost adds more pressure I think on Ramsdale for that Brentford game it was already going to be under quite a bit of pressure but he, you know he showed when he came in against Brentford coincidentally in the League Cup that he handled that pressure really really well last time produced a really good performance but now you know the the press conference at Colney before that Brentford game is going to be about this. It's definitely going to be about this because Ramsdale was already going to be a big talking point because he was going to be coming in for this game. And now it's even more. It's all going to be to to Mikel. What did you think of his dad's comments? You know, are you surprised that his dad went publicly? You know, it's going to, it's going to ratchet up the pressure even more, I think, on Aaron ahead of that game. And so I just don't see the benefit of it. It was, I just think it was a really strange thing to do. I really do. 100%. Credit to the guys at Highbury Squad for getting the interview. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, for them. Outstanding. Well done. It's Um, been really good to see that picked up by everyone and credited by everyone as well. Like I saw it on Sky Sports. I saw it today. They were talking about Talk Sport and they were all naming the Highbury Squad and giving them the credit they deserve because it was a really good get for them. And, you know, it's a a really big story that's that's done 
fantastically well. But yeah, from the actual player point of view, it's uh, yeah, it feels like a bit of a a bit of a a bit of a strange one. I, I have to say, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's got to be. It feels like it's got to be a manoeuvre in terms of ahead of the January transfer window for me, especially on the back of those Gareth Southgate comments. But I just don't see why you'd get rid of Ramsdale in January. Obviously, look, inevitably he's going to go. This is this plan. This plays out one way, and it's that Raya signs in the summer permanently, and Aaron Ramsdale goes because this isn't going to be a something that goes on for two seasons. It was mm. always going to be a one season thing. But from an Arsenal point of view, you do it in January. Suddenly, you're weakening your squad in the middle of a Premier League season, in the middle of a Champions League season, and you're going to have to buy another goalkeeper who's clearly not going to be as good as Aaron Ramsdale. And so you're weakening your squad. The only way I see it as being doable is if the funds that you get in January for Ramsdale, which could be fairly significant, you would imagine are mm. needed to really push the boat out and bring it bring in that big January sign in that potentially gets you over the line in the transfer in the in the title race so you know I think if that's the case then maybe it's something they should look to do but if that's not the case and it's just a case of letting him go so he can play in January somewhere I just you, you've got to be harsh and say no you're sticking around till the summer and and just that, I mean, another thought on the January angle is from Ramsdale's perspective and kind of everything I was told was you know, like you, that he's got a sense of which which direction this is heading and that he, he needs to be thinking about his next step. But, you know, the sort of... I, I, I expected Ramsdale to take his time. I don't think he's a player that kind of would want to get trapped in the world of a... a we, uh, not we, I don't want to name a team, uh, and I nearly did, a sort of lower mid-table Premier League team where it's very hard to get out if you want to develop as a, in your career um and maybe it's hard to you know equally it's hard to play champions league games and to really show you're one of the best goalkeepers in the world which lest we forget he was ranked one of the 10 best goalkeepers in the world um for the yashin trophy and those spots don't come up very often for goalkeepers anyway they are going to be even harder to find in january it's clear i mean on the basis that robert sanchez is doing well enough at chelsea that i don't see them i wouldn't I mean, it's Chelsea, who knows? But you, they don't scream like they're going to make a goalkeeper move midway through the season. I genuinely can't see a good landing spot for Ramsdale. It's not like Jordan Pickford's broken his leg because you would then say, OK, you, you get it. Ramsdale, at the Euros spot is open to him. I don't think Ramsdale could do anything that would convince Gareth Southgate um, to, to pick him over Jordan Pickford. So why, why now? Why not just let this season roll. You may well end up with some, some silverware or your, you know, or something special and a, and a good exit from Arsenal. But this right now has the feel of, of someone, a, a fan favorite who needs to kind of make sure that, that bridges don't get burned mm. um, on his behalf. Uh, yeah. There's, there isn't a rush. If you're Anne Ramsdale, he's a young goalkeeper with his career ahead of him, but he, and this transfer away from Arsenal, if that's what it's to be, it's the one that will define his career. So why you do it in January where it could be that you end up somewhere you don't want to be? Yeah. And he's only, he's only a David Ryer injury away from, you know, coming back and being an absolute crucial part of this title push for Arsenal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I did think it was, I don't know, just ill-advised. If I mean, no, I'm sure no one's probably advising Aaron Ramsdale down to do it, but it just, yeah, it, it felt like a... It's one that certainly suddenly thrusts the spotlight back on the situation again, when maybe just a little bit of calm and, and quiet was was needed in that one. Um, before we go, I just wanted to get have a quick sort of chat on where we are. I mean, 
it's one hell of a tight Premier League table at the moment. We're at the quarter mark, 12 games gone. So you sort of look at that City, obviously. It's the third top. mark, isn't it? Quarter, uh, four times 12 is uh, 48. Not that I, not that this should be a you know this isn't the maths hour but it's nearly a third. It is, yeah, of course it is. What am I talking about? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Forty-eight that, game season would kill us. That's uh, that's why I failed miserably at school. Um, yeah, so United sit. I mean, City sitting top, which is no big surprise, but only one point ahead of Liverpool and Arsenal. Spurs uh, imploding down there in fourth now. Um, oh, mate, mate, mate. Villa, obviously, Unai doing the business in fifth, just a, a point behind Spurs. I, th- I said this on my show earlier. And the maddest thing of it all is the fact that Manchester United are sitting in sixth and are just seven points off the top. I don't know how that happened. They've, they've lost five games this season, but they're doing that trick where they don't draw. It's either win or defeat. And then, and if you do that, then the defeats don't, aren't that costly because it's, yeah, you're still winning the, every other game and you're, you're getting three points on the board. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, how, how do you sort of see the Premier League at, at this stage and sort of with your Arsenal hat on as well in terms of, how Arsenal are shaping up. I mean, I, I, I've, I've said it before. I think last year, everything went so well early on. The momentum was there so early on that you kind of felt like, oh, can you maintain this? Is it going to fall off? And ultimately it did. This year, it feels a lot more sort of building blocks being put in place for a mm. good season. And while that's happening, they're still picking up results and staying in touch, which is is a good thing all, all at a time. While basically their best forward players have just not played together all season, pretty much. Yeah, it it does feel more like a team that might not even come to life until after Christmas. But by that time, for once, you'll have a a fresh-looking Gabriel Jesus. I mean, if he comes back from AFCON and and then nothing happens, and God, there's so many ifs there, and I think you've got to think of it more as a nice-to-have from a footballing perspective than anything else. But Thomas Partey won't have a huge load of of games behind him going into the second half of the season, maybe. So it feels like Arsenal's best games are ahead of them. Whereas, you know, look, even if we'd been doing this, you know, around the Bournemouth game, the Villa game, we'd have been talking about how, yeah, the results are coming, but the performances aren't quite what they were. I think it's good to have room to grow into so long as Mm. City don't get miles away because, in the end, you're still looking for a city slip up, aren't you? You're still kind of it, it, the t- if you're winning the title, it's as much about city losing it. I think although the table says that there's only a one point gap between second and third and, and fourth, I think that top three is going to pull away. And maybe the most important thing is to make sure that it, it is a top three that pulls away, not a top two, um, just to keep grinding out results. Arsenal are quite lucky that the next three games at certainly not easy games but they are favorable they're games where they could pick up nine points and um what i like about this team is it it has a bit more of the look of a team that that isn't going to throw away silly points i think they learned a lesson very quickly from the fulham game um i I thought that was reflected in in burnley they're very hard to beat aren't they that's obvious Mm. i mean they've been conceded 10 goal 10 goals same as liverpool the one game they have lost Oh, they shouldn't have lost. <laughs> yeah, uh, it should have been nil nil. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. The mic up with Howard Webber. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about it. But it drove me mad. The whole thing is just an absolute joke. Um, but yeah, they're hard to beat, and they're staying in games. And even though we, we keep saying, "Oh, they're not being at their fluent best going forward this season," they've only scored one less goal than Liverpool. Have been scoring goals left, right, and centre, and all of their forwards have been scoring. And Arsenal have been doing this without their their forward line, pretty much. Uh, and they've still got 26 goals this season. They only conceded 10. 
only lost one. You know, I, I'm quite happy about where Arsenal are at this stage of the season, how things are shaping up. And I do feel there is a lot of room for improvement. But the most the most positive thing of the lot is that they are where they are and they are staying in touch, even though they've not been at their very best. And they've already played Manchester City. They've already played Spurs. They've gone away to Chelsea. They've gone away to Newcastle. You know, they've got, you know, played some really difficult games and yet they're still sitting there right at the top of the table, just one point off City. So I think there's a lot to be positive about. I agree. And, and, you know, it's less the case in the league than the Champions League, but you can always feel pretty good about a league season when you're confident you've got, if not the best defence in the league, and I think it probably is the second best defence in the league. I'm, I'm going to ask you one question, though, which is a reverse of order. I'm not going to ask you to pick who you want because I'm sure you want none of them, but kind of looking at fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, maybe lower, who among, is there any among them that you think could either kind of make it a four way? race at the top or is there one that you think will probably end up fourth i mean i think it will be newcastle even though that there's i think one of the big pluses is that they have so much ground to make up mm. um to teams that are, are picking up like two and a half points you know a game I, I do think that the top three are going to be the top three i don't know what order they're going to be in but i'd be surprised if that's not the top three coming into the season i think i don't I think Spurs missing Madison for a long period of time is going to be a big, big blow to them. I think Madison's in that team and stays fit. The fact they haven't got any European football to worry about. Van der Ven too, as well. And Van der Ven. The man that means they can play that line. Huge, huge loss. Those two players at the same time. It was very much a Saliba Tomiyasu moment for them in the same Mm. game, wasn't it? Just a few minutes after each other. And I think that is going to be a very, because we know they're long term. We're not sure exactly how long, but if that is sort of two month thing, you know, if you wait until January for those two players to come back. We already saw they looked a completely different team against Wolves. Um, certainly going forward, they just didn't have that spark about Madison. So I think they're going to struggle to hold on to fourth. I think they'll be there or thereabouts, but I think they might struggle to to maintain it. I, I do wonder about Chelsea. I think Chelsea are playing well, and I thought they played very well against Arsenal, played very well against City. They're beginning to score goals now. Obviously, they scored four at Spurs, albeit being helped by Spurs <laughs> being absolutely yeah. mad. But they did score four at Spurs. They scored four against City. I imagine they'll probably spend in January as well because it's Chelsea. I yeah. wonder if they might make a bit of a mad charge up the table. I think we're seeing signs that Chelsea are beginning to get understand what Poch is doing and the players are beginning to settle in. Does it? Do they not feel a bit like, though, there's so many passages in your book where you kind of go, uh, you know, Arteta's, you know, there's real signs that something is coming together for Arteta. Yeah, yeah. A thing happens, yeah, and or they just. I think they're a team that feel like they might throw they, away some silly yeah. points, but be hard to beat. The, yeah, I hard agree. For the best to beat. There is that soap opera type feel to them still at the moment. I don't think they've lost that yet. Where it is ups downs, bit of a roller coaster type thing. Young team game going through a lot of change. So maybe, but I don't know. I'm not sure he gets fourth. I think it's 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 open. You know, Villa are doing great things, and they're just so good at home, Villa and. Yeah, you know, they're just, I think they've won 15 in a row in all comps or something yeah. at home. It's an incredible record at what Unai's doing there. And they've got some really, really good players who are scoring goals. At, and so, you know, Villa, I, I don't think you can rule Villa out. I do, I keep going back to it just being Unai though. And that, and that's not a dig at him, but they, you know, you kind of look, they're struggling away from home. They're brilliant at home, but then they're struggling away from home. Even that league table, you see they've conceded 17 goals. Villa. They've scored 29, but they conceded 17. And it, it just feels very Unai Arsenal type. Can they yeah. maintain this 
this run or is ultimately a team's going to start running through their midfield and their players who are bombing forward and they're just going to get left exposed and picked off. So I, I do have that sort of wonder over Villa at the moment, but they're there. And so you can't certainly can't rule them out. I mean, I am waffling a bit to your answer, but I no, you've not even mentioned Manchester United, which is that deliberate? I don't see them doing it. I I really don't, and so I don't see them getting fourth. But I'm shocked that they're even sixth. To be honest, really, really shocked. So after all of that, I will probably agree with you that Newcastle look the best placed if they get their players back because they're missing so many. (laughs) They got so many players out, and if they get them back. We know they don't concede many goals. They've got a really strong midfield. They're very hard to beat at home. And if they can get Isaac and Wilson back playing, then they've got goals in their team as well. So I think probably Newcastle are, the, are best served to to nick that final spot in the. Well, but it might be fifth. It might be top five for the Champions League this season, isn't it? It it might well be. Don't ask me about how that coefficient. No, I don't. I don't works. know how it works, but it might. Other be than if uh, the English teams do well. That, yeah, there would be a there would be a fifth spot. Yeah, cool. All right, look, we're at, uh, we're over at the hour mark now, so it's time to wrap this up. I think. Uh, thank you very much for the show, James. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching or listening to this. Of course, we will be back next week, and uh, by the time we do get back here, then we will sh- what, just be a few days away from the Brentford game. What day? Are we, what, Tuesday, Wednesday next week? Oh, I suppose. Yeah. We'll, we'll whenever decide, you. we'll decide. Mm-hmm a bit later on but we will be back next week so yeah thank you very much hopefully james won't be wearing the same uh cardigan that he's wearing today i've got worse for, for this year he's got worse he's got worse well that is going to be a sight to behold uh, <laughs> so yeah thank you everyone for watching for listening and we will be back next week see you later bye-bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.